General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Dustin Thompson, Vice President for Regional Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Doing Together podcast. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so your church can fulfill its calling. This week, we are rounding third and heading for home in season two. This season, we have had some great conversations, all with the underlying theme of leadership development. At General Baptist Ministries, President Danny Donovan and his cabinet of vice presidents, after working over a year identifying, addressing, and building resources to help address the growing leadership crisis in the universal church, are here today to chat about that leadership crisis and leadership development. In this episode, we are having a conversation with President Danny and the whole cabinet, which includes returning guests Vince Daniel, Mark Powell, and Travis Stevens, as we continue to discuss the growing need for leadership development in the local church. Gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of the Doing Together podcast. Yeah, glad to be here. Excited to be here with you, Dustin. Glad to be part of it. Glad you finally let me say something. Hey, you know, uh, it's fun because all of y'all have been a part of uh, the season so far. Like, we've got to highlight a little bit of all of the core ministries that we do. You've gotten to hear some great stories from different leaders across the General Baptist Nation. So, uh, so far, what has been your favorite episode of season two? I enjoy it. I've enjoyed most of the almost all of the episodes. Uh, I think for me, I enjoy the preaching episode probably the best. I like hearing different perspectives of it. I'm generally not a preacher per se, uh, but I love hearing pastors talk about it and pastors talk about how they can get better at it because I think it's one of the one of the areas in our lives where uh, man that makes a huge difference in our church and church growth and church health is uh, how can we can get better preaching. So, I enjoyed yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. I like to hearing uh, some things about what's going on in some of our mission fields as well. Um, we've got uh, some some updates from some things going on, like in the Asian context, and uh, getting getting to hear how that's going. Uh, I've enjoyed the preaching one as well. the The conversation with uh, um, that you've had with like with Justin Banks mm-hmm. and the, the stuff going on in Colorado. We've got some great, some great people doing some great things. I made a joke about finally letting me talk uh, in a in an episode, but it's been really great to be able to hear about so many different General Baptists and what they're doing, and the ways that all of our folks really are engaged with one another, which I think is a big important part of what we do here. Uh, it was really exciting for me to hear our youth pastors or our national youth workers yeah. talk about the new um, approach to youth comp that we're doing. Uh, kind of moving away from that one event to multiple events that gives it more access to our our, our greater organization, uh, regional. So, so I'm excited about seeing that this summer and what that's going to look like. It's good. Um, and then also the conversations. Uh, I got to be a part of a few of them, but, you know, being able to talk to the missionaries about what's happening, um, hearing some perspective on finances, which is was new this year, and, and being able to have some other people come in uh, and talk through what that looks like for them. So it's been a good good year. Good variety and, and lots of good uh, topics. Yeah, I love the the podcast with the pastors. Like it was so refreshing to 
not just hear like good content, but to hear like a diversity of content, different perspectives, the way different people develop. I, this this wasn't the question, but one of the things that I loved about the, all of the episodes so far is we've gotten to highlight several different leaders, getting to hear from youth pastors, getting to hear from senior pastors, getting to hear financial perspective, getting to hear for late from ladies in ministry, like missionaries. It's been so cool to get to highlight so many people who are just doing everyday faithful work and seeing the Lord bless. And so, like, I've been really excited uh, for season two. Um, now, as we get close to the end, one of the things that has been an underlying thread in all of these conversations has been leadership development, how we can continue to help develop people to be better leaders right where they are. Um, we've been discussing at local church gatherings, at associational and regional events, uh, and even here on the podcast, this concept of a leadership crisis in the church. Uh, y'all visited churches, startups, mission fields, uh, all across General Baptist Nation. Uh, what are you seeing for us to actually say this is a crisis? Like, is this a, a fabricated emergency that we're blowing out of proportion? Or like, what evidence is saying, yes, this is a need in our churches? In my conversation with churches, it's been uh, really amazing whenever you talk to what would be considered uh, some pretty good churches in our movement who are without pastors. And I've been helping one of those churches, in fact, uh, for the last several months. And they've been without a pastor going well past a year at this point. And they, they, have, no, they have no resumes. Uh, there's nobody out there. Another community not far from there, which would be considered kind of in the heart of our movement. Uh, that town has three General Baptist churches uh, without, a, without a pastor. One of them just called a pastor, and they've been without a pastor for a very long time. And then we've been praying for 15 churches a week, uh, every week as a, as a staff. And uh, Dr. Jim Pratt puts that list together and gives it to us every week. And he always gives the pastor's name. And the number of churches that we have who don't have a pastor listed uh, is sometimes phenomenal. And so it, it, it clearly is a, uh, seems to be a tremendous problem. Um, maybe not everywhere, but everywhere I'm aware of, it seems to be a real problem. Yeah, you, you could, if you were looking at it just from where we are at the moment, some people could chalk it up to, well, this is just like overflow from COVID or something, that that caused kind of a collapse in, in where pastors were, the people left the ministry, or there wasn't enough like turnover in ministry. But the thing that like blows me away is that this, this crisis we're talking about is not universal. That instead, if like Mark and I have been um, in 2022, we both we, we got to go to visit Honduras and to see the work that's going on there. They don't have a leadership development crisis in Honduras. Uh, they're, they're graduating people from their Bible Institute. We were there for the ordination of seven new pastors. We only have 18 churches there at current. And so to see that many new pastors being, you know, being ordained. We went to India late last year. India does not have a leadership development crisis. They've they had over 100 graduates of their Bible Institute, and those are people that are directly involved in ministry or starting new ministry. And we were part of 23 people being ordained in India in, back in December. What really has blown me away is to think about what that means for those fields. They're on the up. They're moving. They're, they're really 
Um, their, their churches are growing. They're planting new churches at a quick rate. It's the same thing. Uh, Mark and I just got back from the Philippines. The Philippines has got, um, you know, they have 300 churches, a little over 300 churches. They have 40 church plants that they're currently functioning with. Imagine if in the United States we had, you know, 70 church plants going on right now. It would be amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's completely unbelievable to us that that could be possible, but it's because they f have focused and have had sustained focus on leadership development in those places. Just to, just to going back to the question about how many, we got to see 30 people ordained in 2022 on the mission field that we were present for. I would challenge folks, and I've said this in some of the churches I've visited, I would challenge us to think whether we've had 30 people ordained to the ministry in all General Baptist churches in the United States in the last year. Yeah, I, I would just piggyback what you're saying, Danny, from, from a church planning perspective of that the last few the, the last several plants that we've had have been adoptions into the pastor has come to General Baptist saying I want to partner with with General Baptist because we're not seeing we're not seeing a lot of of young ministers or ministers go hey I want to go plant a church because we're not seeing that development in the churches of this is an option to go do so yeah from my perspective that's where I see the crisis Dustin you said where do we see it I see it in 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 the pipeline on and what's coming down the road, yeah. uh, and and we don't see a lot coming down the road. So yeah, I, th a, I think I think that's the thing that to me is the biggest worry. It's not the current crisis we're in; it's the one you see coming. Mm, it's yeah. the pipeline crisis well, that, it, that we're looking at. A ten you know, ten years down the road, things don't look better; they look stark. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so interesting. You know, each of us. Um, as a part of a team, uh, or a unified team, but we're, we're intentionally here to look from a different perspective. And so, like, you know, one of the things I get to do is to attempt to look cross-culturally and to see here's an issue, but is it a universal issue? Is it an issue that's just affecting one of our regions? And to hear that, like, hey, this is uh, something that needs to be addressed holistically, but it's not something that is equally uh, emergent for each area. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with an African missionary the other day who was not an African missionary in Africa. He was a South African who is a missionary to the United States. And, you know, most of us have like this Americentric view of like, hey, we're the best country in the world. We go places, people, we don't need help. And it was so powerful to hear him talk about he is here to teach American churches how to truly make biblical disciples. And it was just sort of, one of these like gut check moments of everything he was saying is exactly right. And, and it does play into this because one of the problems that I see is somewhere along the way, we have divided this conversation into two things, discipleship and leadership. And in reality, like it's a both and concept. Mm -hmm. And so some of the leadership issue that we're seeing, especially in the American church, is people have stopped following the way of Jesus. And that's one of the things that I've interacted with as I go to associations or interact with local church leaders, is we all have gotten very caught up in this idea of yes, we're supposed to be uh, we're supposed to be a part of discipleship, but somewhere along the way we've overcomplicated some things uh, when it really is simple: learn what Jesus, who Jesus is, and then do our very best to do what He did, be like Him. And somewhere we we've sort of missed that, and I see that as both a discipleship issue a disciple-making issue, and a leadership issue in the church. Do you, do you think that in the church, in the context of the U.S., 
Is it because if, if it's a discipleship issue in that regard, is it because we've exchanged focus on discipleship and disciple making for focus on, you know, preference and comfort or cultural battles or something else in in our in our current context? But I, and I'm saying that I'm not thinking of a specific demographic of churches. I think that that may be something you could say about like big churches, small churches, rural churches, urban churches, you know, all around the board. And I just, if disciple, if disciple making is what we do, then it would think, you would think that it would, it would be the central feature of what we are, what we talk about in the church. And that's not the thing you, you hear most people in the church context talking about. Yeah, I, I would, I would jump in and just say to that, Danny, I think in our context, what I've seen in churches is that because we we sometimes inadvertently intermingle, like Dustin, you were saying, leadership and discipleship. So if somebody begins to be discipled and show an interest in disciple, we immediately put them in a leadership place. Mm. And then there is a there is a heavy insecurity in a lot of us as pastors that if we put somebody in leadership and they start to excel, then what are they going to need me for? And so there's a challenge to us. The reason well, I think we see a lot of this is that the idea of replacing yourself is scary because if I replace myself, then what do I do? Hmm. And so the idea of discipling somebody that could surpass you is what we ought to be all striving for, but it's also a really hard thing to think about because in in a world where there's not a lot of church or there are a lot of churches out there, but comfort, convenience, whatever it is or whyever it is, we stay locked in places. Those things stop us from developing people to go beyond us, the, to, to be, I, I want the next pastor to come from our pews. That's, that idea is foreign in a lot of our, our church context, yeah. you know? So, but yeah, I, I think that, I don't know that it's, I think it's because we've intermingled discipleship with leadership. You can have somebody that's a, a devout disciple of Christ, but may never step into a platform position. We, our movement needs Needs both and. Well, so. and I, I hear that as like a, an unhealthy intermingling. But I'm also talking about like there is a layer of they're not separated. Like somewhere along the way, like you said, people are becoming uh, becoming like Jesus and they immediately get expected to be Jesus in some type of context. Mm-hmm. And w- what I'm saying is there is a lot of people who they don't get both and at the same time. Like they don't, as you're becoming like Jesus, there is a part of like at any level is leadership because you're leading yourself and then you're leading your family and you're leading your kids. Uh, and somewhere along the way, there's this idea of like, I have to A, disciple you or B, make you a good leader. And Danny, I think this goes to like the environment that you're talking about. Like environments are huge. They can be a place that fosters somebody or it could be a place that like expels somebody. And one of the one of the environmental things that I see when it comes to this context, and really that shows this false dichotomy, is you'll have people who can quote John Maxwell all day long, or they can quote like every variation of a Collins book, and like they just don't know the basic Bible stories. Mm -hmm. Or there's people who know the Bible stories, like they know deep theological expositions and can't go interact with a person or can't lead anything. And somewhere along the way, that to me is like this, this unhealthy thing that is great in theory and horrible in reality. I want to just 
I don't want to stretch this too long, but Travis, I'm going to throw you completely under the bus because I love you, my friend. <laughs> um, I, from my context, I deal with this from a starting standpoint in national missions. Uh, Mark does this from an international standpoint. And as Danny said, we're seeing, uh, I would say, comparatively great results internationally yeah. compared to what we're seeing here. You function in that church health circle where you're talking with a lot of these established churches. What what are you seeing? Yeah, I think I see, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I see a lot of apathy. Um, I think I see a lot of pastors who are very tired, who are beat yeah. down after yeah. dealing with COVID and everything that came along with that. Um, that have expectations on them, even when they're bivocational, that are full time expectations, and so they probably feel like. Like, I don't have time to even think about developing somebody else or doing any sort of discipleship or leadership development. Um, and I think that's one of the big issues we have is just like a clarity of what a pastor's role is supposed to be, what we really want them doing. Right. Um, are, are we prioritizing? Are we doing what's most important? Um, and I think we've come to this to a place within our movement, especially within the American church, that's that if we don't prioritize leadership development, if we don't prioritize uh, calling and talking about these things and, and uh, giving avenues for young people to come up and accept the call uh, that God's given, that we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be in trouble um, because we're not going to have enough pastors to fill the pulpits. Hmm. Yeah, what, what is it that, as we look at American churches today, we, we don't have people accepting a call to ministry, but you also don't hear a lot of conversation about it in the average church, right? Um, there's no expectation that someone within the church would be called to ministry. Um, it's, you know, we, we, it's almost like we've, we've limited the options for next steps to why don't you, why don't you accept Jesus today you can be baptized during the next time we do a baptism, and how about you come and serve somewhere? Mm -hmm. And we'd never put out there like those that, you know, maybe you need to give your whole life over to vocational ministry. Why, 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 maybe there are people that, that are called to go and be missionaries in places that they've not yet even visited. Uh, those, are, those are things that God has always call people to do, but I wonder if we, we've, we've so programmed it to the, we, we can't get to that spot anymore. We never, you know, reach out and say this, it's worth your whole life, not just whether you're going to be a part of the parking team next week. Well, I, th I think to some degree, there's a layer of this that is a perception issue. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, I'm at the life station where I've got kids who are um, elementary school, middle school, and so I've gotten to go to several younger children events. Um, and so the last graduation I went to, elementary graduation, over half of the kids wanted to be a YouTube creator. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we live in this culture where what's highlighted is being an influencer. Um, and there was a day when pastors and church leaders were influencers. Like you can think of like the greats okay. throughout church history, definitely influential leaders both in their time and past their time. And so many times the way that we present ministry and 
and serving the Lord, it, it's not in a good light. You know, it's phrases like suffering for Jesus, or, you know, you'll be, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be broke, and all these different kind of things that don't make it look good. And so we do have like this, this PR issue, along with like the real issue, like there is this void of leadership. Uh, currently, uh, the best data that we have available, we have 146 General Baptist churches without a pastor. That's 20% of the American churches that we have don't have somebody to step up and to lead. And so how do we help those churches? Like when we are talking about leadership development, like the, the pipeline for future church planners, the pipeline for people to say, uh, here I am, Lord, send me, the leader who wants to see the void in the traditional church or the established church but doesn't feel like there's a place for them. How can we encourage and equip and inspire those churches to to see this problem and then do something about it. The tragedy I see sometimes is that uh, churches had at one point uh, young people in their congregation. They they had they had youth. They had young adults. Um, they did not create opportunity mm-hmm. for for them to be participants. Uh, and maybe the young adult or the or the young person didn't realize they even wanted to be a participant, but but even if they did, the opportunity wasn't there. And so what I see sometimes in churches is they have lost that generation. And so now then they're at a place where they are a, a very much an older congregation, and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. However, when they look within their structure and system to find future leadership, it's gone. Uh, they've lost it to some other church in the community or some other church down the road, and and they're left they're left wondering what do we do now? And I would encourage churches just not to reach that place. You know, be aware of these young people in your presence and these young adults in your presence, and and be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit may be uh, working in their lives and in ways that they may not even be aware of because they have so many other things going on in life and then create opportunity uh, to keep them engaged and keep them involved, continue discipling them, but also through these other avenues, begin to develop the leadership that you know is in there and the Lord clearly knows is in there and, and make opportunity for them because in, that, in those opportunities, they may discover something within themselves they didn't even know was there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, so that... Sometimes I think we're so scared to let people who are younger or younger Christians in terms of how long they've been a Christian even or that they, we may see all of their inabilities, all the things that they lack. And so we're like, can we afford to let them lead at some point? And the problem is, is that you can't afford to not let them lead yeah. and what that, the investment looks like long term. This is a, you know, leadership development is always an investment proposition. And in order for you to have, a, in, you're investing in something, it takes time and it takes a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah I think, Danny, with that, I, I mean, this confession's good for the soul. I have found myself when we have somebody who's being raised up or trained up and the phrasing of, oh, I don't know if they're ready for that yet. Yes, exactly. I don't know if they're ready for that yet. Instead of, when I came up, when I announced my call and was given, you know, hey, 
drive it through the ditch if you if you have to. <laughs> you know, you're going to, my first sermon, I think, was six minutes long, and I cried for four and a half of it. Yeah, you know, I, mine was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. don't know that anybody could have understood a word I said because I was blubbering the whole time. And, and And now, like even in my context as a pastor, away from what I do here at the national office, is that, well, it's, it's, it's got to be to this level. And the fear of that is only self-serving. The yeah. fear is, I don't want them to look down at the product. I don't want them to look down at. And so there's, there's some insecurities there. Like I said, even, even myself have to admit to it that it's okay to give these people an opportunity. It's, it's not, if, if one Sunday destroys the structure of your church, mm-hmm. you didn't have much built anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that's something like with my staff uh, in Portland, uh, one of the things we talk about often is what we do is extremely important. I mean, I think in our churches, we would all agree like heaven and hell is in the balance. Like it's extremely critical what we do for the spiritual life of people, but also Jesus's church isn't that fragile. Yeah. And so many times yeah. we walk around like Jesus's church is like a, an unboiled egg. Yep. And we're like, hey, if we do something wrong, it's going to shatter. Yeah. And and we will never entrust anybody else because we're so protective of it. Yeah. If the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, what makes you think that a, a young person who doesn't know what the heck they're doing is going to be able to do much to it? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I, I wonder, you know, something I've heard brought up multiple times too is that some people in tr- some traditional churches would say, well, that's that's one of the real reasons why you need to have like a Sunday night service is because you're giving, you're, you're also providing a platform where people to try out some stuff and to do some things and people are a little more forgiving in that context. That's just. Yeah, I think, I think whether it's a Sunday night or like going back to what you said, Mark, it's an opportunity. Yes. You know, we have with our internship program, everybody that goes in our internship program speaks publicly. They may not speak on a Sunday morning, but they're going to speak in front of the staff they're going to deliver some sort of content in front of a room with people in it, and and then we work through that. So it's it's the opportunities to to get up there and to stumble over some things and to fall down and to say the wrong thing or you know the right thing at the wrong time. I mean all of those things. So I do think the opportunity is such a critical piece. You know, that's why we're. Lo- I mean, that's staggering to me, Dustin, because I hadn't quite heard the number, but to think that one in five of our churches don't have a pastor. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we every week when Mark, you brought up how many times, you know, we pray for 15 a week, three a week. We either, there's not, we know they're looking for a pastor or it there's no pastor listed because it's been so long since they've had a pastor. Some of them, we had one today that I know has been without a pastor for four or five years wow. on that list. Well, and it begs a question of, is there no one saying, here I am, send me? Or are there places that won't let people have an opportunity? And in some situations, it really is both and. Yeah. And I think there's a third thing there as well, uh, that those of us who do have developing leadership sometimes don't want to, we're jealous of our leader, of that developing leadership. We're, mm-hmm. we're afraid of losing developing leadership. Um, and not only are we afraid of losing developing leadership, they really don't want to go somewhere else because the reason that they are uh, they love that church is because that church has seen something in them 
and is developing that which is inside of them, and they realize that other churches would not have given them those opportunities. So there's 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 really several things at work here that that are keeping uh, are keeping the leadership pull within our movement uh, within uh, you know across a cross section of churches, but within a limited number of churches, when there are so many other churches out there that are needing leadership, and so we either have to help them figure out a way to develop leadership or we have to begin to share some of the leadership that's being developed or we have to create a new system uh, and an awareness of God's calling and then make sure people are aware of the system and get into the system so that they uh, so that future leadership can be developed but that's really more of a long-term solution mm-hmm. than a short-term solution yeah. to a all, crisis all yeah. of these all the answers to this crisis are long-term solutions there are no silver bullets. Yeah, we think, need to dis, you know, dispel that as an option. There's, it doesn't exist. Yeah, which is also comforting. Like we didn't get here overnight. Yeah. We're not going to get out of it overnight. But if we don't, we're going to wake up three years, five years, ten years, and we're That's just right. going to see this crisis continue to to degradate, continue continue to get worse. Well, and and I don't want it. I don't want it to just sit solely on the person who may be sitting there debating on whether or not they're called or not called, and what do I do. Uh, I think, Travis, you've seen this because you and I have talked about it, and some of it is training our churches on how to receive mm-hmm. that that young guy or, or person that just says, I'm willing to do this, and then cultivating and encouraging that rather than, no, you got to do it this way, or this is our structure, and this is how we, um, at some point, we have to come to a place where we're, we're able to release those things. And even not just training leaders to rise up, but training churches to open up mm-hmm. to a possible different different approach. Because yeah. new people, new leaders are going to have new ideas and different ideas. Well, so. and here's a question that we get asked a lot in Portland. Like, you know, all of us are a part of a, a local church. And uh, my local church, like, does have a lot of younger people involved. And something that, like, that gets asked a lot, and my lead pastor, Pastor Brandon Petty, stresses is this is what we look for in young leaders. Like, not necessarily all the Bible references they can quote, um, the resume, all this stuff. We look for people who are teachable and who will take initiative. Um, and, like, that's true, like, in church leadership. It's true as we see discipleship. I, I coach a youth baseball team right now, and we have the best kid but we also have the most improved kid, the kid who's developing, and it is the kid who is teachable and who'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something Mark said earlier because I thought it was so good, and he talked about churches that do still have some young people in them about getting those young people involved, and I think that is key to what we're talking about here. Um, we cannot afford to set back and wait for them to come to us. We have to be proactive in going to them. Uh, that That's was good. certainly my story of sitting in a church because I would have never, I would have sat in the back pew and just listened. I would have never, you know, jumped up and volunteered probably, uh, but it was somebody coming to me and saying, hey, would you teach Sunday school next week? And then that turned into the Sunday school director coming up and saying, hey, would you do devotion before Sunday school? And I would have, I'd never even considered that you know, maybe I would work in ministry one day. Like it never even crossed my mind that that was even an option until those uh, opportunities started presenting themselves. And so I think as a movement, like we have to have pastors and church leaders who are going to be very, very proactive in seeking out and opening up opportunities to younger leaders. Let's talk how how we do that. And so, you know, we've referenced that we're involved with churches, uh, you know, 
all of us to some degree have invested in the lives of young people, whether it's in academia, whether it's through missions, local churches. How do we, how have we made disciples? How have we developed leaders? For the leader who's listening to this and like, I don't know what to do, like, how did we do it? How are we doing it? Sometimes it's, to my, in my experience, that you have to be able to see past what you get in front of you to see what God might be able to do with that. You, you, you look through the lens. I mean, I, 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 I did work with the university students. If you expect to be able to look at a university student and know what they're going to look like, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, most of them are, you know, not thinking about that at all whenever they come to school and to be able to see through all that and say, hey, that, that person right there, they could really be a pastor and they may not even see it. And uh, to be able to talk to them about it and say, hey, have you considered this? And, and, and really just tap them on the shoulder. In church context, it's the same thing. I've had people, I had a young man that was uh, part of my youth group in the first church I worked at in uh, Indiana that is now, he planned, ended up planning a church and is a pastor. And I, I noticed that in him whenever he was in junior high. And I'm like, hey, you need to start thinking about this. That age group is a, is a great one to begin, you know, encouraging folks to to look. And I gave him opportunities, and he did terrible at it at the time, and that was okay. And let it be okay. Yeah, I love it when a young leader says, in reference to an older leader, uh, they saw something in me I didn't see in myself. Right. And I think that's that's uh, becomes our responsibility is to be uh, guided by the Holy Spirit, and because we don't want to, we don't want to force people into a position, you know, we have this, you know, kind of a joke that once you get a position in a General Baptist church, you keep it for life. Uh, we don't want to force <laughs> people into positions, but at the same time, we have to be aware and give opportunity uh, to to that, uh, into that awareness and just see something there that, that uh, you know, by creating opportunity, see something there that, that perhaps when you approach them and, and say, hey, you know, would you like to speak? Oh, no, 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 I, I can't do that. Well, then just kind of back off and, and come back with something else that's less threatening, you know, later and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in them uh, what, what you think is already there. And, and, uh, and they're sometimes surprised by the discovery themselves. But this has to be all within the context of the bigger discipleship leadership program in your church, I think, as well. That's that's essential to the whole thing. Yeah, I think for me, the moment I realized that God may show me their potential, but I have to lead them in their reality and not try to lead at their potential. Mm-hmm. I, I see potential of, man, this person could be a team lead or a service lead or a pastor someday or a student pastor. And I see that potential in them. I have to view that as a Man, that was a gift that God allowed me to see what this person's capable of. Like Mark just said, they saw more in me than I saw in myself. But I can't lead them like that. I got to lead them at their reality right now that may be. And, and Travis, I think what you're putting together with the, the, some of the, the resources we're going to try to have together by Summit we're, are going to be so critical in that mentoring process to go, hold on, I know where I feel like God could put you, but let's talk through biblical teaching. Let's talk through what it means to serve. What it let's talk let's talk to your reality. And and the more I do that, the more I find myself doing that as I get a little older, the better, stronger leaders I'm seeing raised up because they're not starting, you know, the old saying is, you know, a lot of people 
you know, didn't hit triples. They just started on third. You know, we need the people that can swing the bat and hit the triple and have walked through some of the development to get all the way around third. Um, and so for me, that's it. Lead, lead their reality. When you see them and you, God blessed you as a leader with discernment to see potential in somebody, don't get so excited that you don't step back and lead them where they are. I mean, that really sums up like my leadership life. I mean, like I've been surrounded with leaders. Uh, I think of Pastor Terrell Somerville, Pastor Jeff Smith, Pastor Brandon Petty, now with, with President Danny, people who could see who I could be and tolerate who I am while I'm becoming that person. Yeah. And that's the leader that I try to be now. Like I have several young kids, and I say young kids, they're like low 20s, uh, who I get the opportunity to now try to do that with. And so the, the practical way of doing that is I bring them along with me. Like I embrace this philosophy of like, it's more of what they're going to catch from me than what I'm actually going to teach them and just expose them as I go about my going, how I can bring them into a scenario that they probably shouldn't be in, but I want them to be in. So one day they can be like me. Travis, how do you do it? How do you try to develop like at your local church? How have you developed at your local church? I think I don't. I don't think we've always done it very well. I don't know if I've always done it very well. I think we uh, certainly try to give um, opportunities, and those opportunities have uh, growing levels of sort of responsibility uh, and those type of things that go along with it. Uh, I tell you one thing that I've done. I don't know if it'll work out or not, but I mean, I've seen a young man within our church who uh, has grown up from middle school, high school. Now he just graduated college this year, and just. Even as a teenager, I saw something within him who I was like, he has a magnetic personality. He's loving. He's kind. He's not shy. Like, he doesn't have a problem having conversations and stuff. And I just started speaking into him. I'm like, I think, like, you could possibly be a pastor one day. Like, like you have all the qualities that would make a great pastor. And he may never choose that path. You know, he's, he's got an engineering degree now. He may go do something else. But if God does start... Uh, calling, I'm hoping that some of the things that maybe I've spoken to his life about it, maybe that comes back to his remembrance of like, oh, you know what, for 10 years now, this guy's been telling me, hey, you could be a pastor, and maybe this is what I'm actually called to do. Yeah, maybe you're listening today, and something we've said's inspired you, or maybe it's raised a question, like all five of us are here for you, and so you can reach out to us, go to generalbaptist.com, you can find our contact information and maybe we've we've inspired you to ask a question or you want help, reach out to us. But it's not just us. Like part of our job is to connect you with other people that we see doing it well. And we do have opportunities to be, uh, like I said, in multiple churches, mission fields, associations, regional events. Uh, who are some of the leaders that we have seen who do a good job developing people? Like, like two that come to my mind, Pastor Gary Baldus in Florida has developed three church planners, maybe more than that. I mean, like there is a legacy that is changed in not just, not even just Florida, uh, but beyond because of Pastor Gary's influence. And and another person I think of is Julie Nichols. Like she is phenomenal at building system and and pouring into young ladies and is making a huge impact by attempting to recreate Jesus through these, not recreate Jesus, recreate her um, in other people as they strive to follow Jesus. So who do y'all see? Who are some people we can shout out that could be an encouragement? Yeah, Danny's already mentioned uh, uh, the good job being done on, on several of our mission fields um, with uh, leadership development, and and that's certainly been a wonderful thing to watch. We we learned uh, globally 
fairly early on from our experience in the Philippines that if you want to have a growing movement, you have to be producing leaders for that growing movement. Uh, that, however, does not uh, create a culture uh, that is favorable to that, uh, uh, to, to that leadership development. And so along with uh, not just seeing the need or the necessity, there has to be created, uh, you have to create a culture where leadership is, va- or where training is valued, where leadership is valued. And, uh, and by and large, I, I can say this without any, any qualification, all of, all of our global fields have higher standards of ordination than we have in, here in the United States. And across the board, they all value leadership training and development more than we do. Um, and, and I think that is uh, essential, and I think that that is uh, something that we can learn from. That's good. Um, so a couple of churches that I would mention that I've seen that are really focused on this intentionally. Um, I've seen Mike Brady at uh, Halltown. Uh, Mike has always kind of, it seems like he's always got someone that he's working with. And, and bringing along, he's got some, had some really good guys that have been part of that church and he's connected with that are now pastors of uh, other churches. Um, and I know he's doing, he's still doing that work right now. Uh, got some really, really great stuff there. Um, Chris Vaught at Connection Point, I mean, they invest heavily in, in leadership development. I've recently got to go and, and spend a day seeing what they do with their interns and Talking about that, I, I mean, I'll just be honest. I have a daughter that's an intern with them this summer, because I, I think they're doing a terrific job with that, and they know how to coach and um, in ministry, and, and that's what she wants to do with her life. So um, that's uh, that's a couple that I've seen that are just doing some amazing things, and that's you know a very one of our very traditional churches and one of our very contemporary churches, and, and I don't think that that part of it matters a lot. I think it has to be it has to do with being intentional about um, how you do it in your context. Yeah. I think the, the leader's heart, yeah. you know, uh, cause my, like immediately I go to a Bob Comer. Oh yeah. Um, who has now re- since retired from the pastorate, but has walked right alongside that younger pastor. He's younger than Bob. He's not a young man by any stretch, but he's younger than Bob and walked beside him. But then Bob just shifts over to the worship team and plays guitar in the worship team and, and is mentoring those young people that are on that worship team. And, and so it's just, a, it's a heart that he's said, uh, there's going to be people coming behind me. Uh, it's, it's, an, I think for Bob, it's a non-option, you know, there, there's non-negotiable for him that there's going to be someone following him. And so I think Bob, for me, is one of those leaders that I go, there's always somebody going to step into where Bob is at. And he is always willing to step out of the way so that somebody can step in the spot he's at. Yeah, I think Bob's a great uh, an example. And, you know, so many times we think of, like, younger people or middle-aged people. Like, Bob is a great example of, like, a legacy leader. Uh, and another one of those that comes to mind is Fred Britton. I, yeah. I was in Florida and met Fred for the first time, and it was, like, almost like a senior statesman. Like, everybody loved Fred. And it was like, hey, I need to remember that. This is pretty cool. Pastor Gary was, was celebrating Fred and his investment in New Walk. And then months later, you know, States away later, I was at the Rough River Association in Kentucky, and one random person starts mentioning about the leadership investment of Fred Britton. And, like, I'm able to put these dots together of, like, man, here's a guy who, you know, faithfully served, faithfully invested, and has made, like, a generational impact, a a regional impact. 
um, just because he was willing to give it a shot. Yeah, you, take a chance. You know, with Fred there, that goes a long way back there. When Fred was pastor of the church in Bethalto at Bethel um, back, I don't know, that would have had to have been in the 70s. Would have had to have been. Which would have been probably around the time I was born. Uh, he was he was there, and he, he he challenged the church during that period of time. And there were like 12 pastors that came out of that church during that period of time, including people like Rodney Walls, who continues to be a missionary with with us in in Honduras. Jim Pratt, um, that came Jim came out of that time. In that time, he accepted the call to ministry. Um, mo- a lot of folks may remember Bill Bill McMillan, who was uh, a moderator of the General Association probably 15 years ago or so. And, um, you know, all of them came out of that church in that context. So Fred's been doing that a long time, and he he still calls me and encourages me often. Well, so. And that leads to an interesting question. If we can talk about, like, what's thriving or what's going well, but it, it, it we almost have to also talk about what's missing. And one of the things that we've been able to identify is just the invitation. Like, churches inviting people into the ministry, inviting people into the works of Jesus in the local church. And so, like, encouraging church leaders, encouraging our listeners to invite people, to allow them to open up their heart to what Jesus might be calling them to do. Yeah, I, what I would say even, go back even behind that, and that is I think that every, every church should be praying for this particular thing. Mm-hmm. This should be something yeah. that they intentionally but now I'm going to worry. I'm going to, now I'm going to get worried. I'm going to jump into my sermon for summit for a minute. But I think that we need to every church be intentionally praying that God would call leaders in their context and or in in the other context into the field that is white to the harvest. I mean, um, Jesus was very clear about that. And if you look back historically, every great move of God always started with prayer. It didn't start with a strategic plan. It didn't start with a charismatic leader. It starts with prayer because it's all funneled through the fact that Jesus is the one who builds his church, not us. So um, that's, I'll get off my soapbox, but that's that's where I think all of it has to start in terms of invitation. You want to invite people into the, into the process, get them to pray first. And what you're going to find is that there are more people that are willing to listen because God's already been doing that work in their hearts. That's right. I like what you said about the invitation because I think we can sometimes, we as church people are the world's worst at giving something a definition that may not technically be the definition, but that's what it's going to be. Hmm. And so when we think of the invitation at the end of the service, it's about rededication, salvation, or baptism. Mm-hmm. When the reality is the greatest invitation we may be given, obviously, is salvation first and foremost. But secondary to that may be, is God calling you to this life called ministry, this life, you know, this life called yep. pastoring or, or leading, um, especially with where we are as a movement? That's good. Uh, and one of the things I think of, you know, we, we mentioned this earlier, like the fear of failure, like the kids will break stuff. And, and in this case, like it's not just kids, young adults. There's some people whose second career, they've thrived in the secular workplace and like they're stepping into something they feel God call them to. Uh, And I think of the Bible story with the prophet who like, hey, there's this person dead. They've tried everything and he just lays on them, you know, and like my word for some people would be like, just try something. Like, don't be so afraid of what they might do or what they could do or what they'll say, what they won't say is like so many times people find what they're good at. 
by trying because you often find what you're not good at too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was wrestling with calling and I was a young kid going to Western Kentucky University and I stopped into a General Baptist Church to a man who'd never met me before and had a conversation with a gentleman named Larry Emery. It was at Cave Mill General Baptist mm-hmm. Church and he told me, try everything you can but this and if you're still not satisfied, try some more, try, try that. And like that's been just something that stuck with me for years of like, just try, like lay on the body, see what God's going to do if you make an effort. I was talking to a young man yesterday even who has uh, gone through an internship program, which we would think of as a leadership development. He's said yes to ministry to some level. He has no idea what that looks like, and he's still struggling with it. And uh, I, I gave him the same advice I've given lots of people over the years. It's like, just keep saying yes. Whenever there's something that's right out in front of you, you get an opportunity, you just say yes to that. You don't have to say yes to the thing that's coming 30 years from now. You have to say yes just to what's right, just right here, right now, this piece, and just keep going. So as we wrap up this episode, like several practical things that we can do is we've spent a lot of time at General Baptist Ministries developing the church leadership network. Uh, And there's been iterations of it that have rolled out with – you know, some one-day events with some retreats. Uh, Danny, if you wouldn't mind to share a little bit, maybe as a tease, of some of the cohorts and some of the leader labs that's being developed. Like, that's a huge practical next step that people could take. Yeah, I, I'm excited. We've, uh, by the time we get to the this episode dropping, we may even be able to share some of the, publicly, some of the, the content coming in the leader labs. Uh, that Those leader labs are going to be like the very first considered like the entry-level layer of the church leadership network. It's something that is going to have some video content. There'll be some opportunity for conversation online, uh, and, and it'll be a, a really bar, low bar to entry for folks. You'll be able to, to interact with others that are in a similar kind of a place, network with them, and also network with a leader who's um, you know helping has helped us even to develop the content. And uh, it's something that you can do right where you're at. You don't have to come to an event somewhere. It's all going to be available online and easy for you to be able to access. Uh, we've got uh, eight of those. We've, we've got video that we've already shot for those and beginning to build out the online component of that and what that'll look like. And so um, even before we get to the summit this year, we'll be able to show, showcase some of those and um, begin to, to roll some of that out for folks to be involved in the very first one of those. Um, with cohorts, the cohorts is like the furthest, the other end of the spectrum with regard to where we're going with um, the church leadership network. Uh, we've, we've, the cohort model is that you have a group of people who come together and they stay together over a longer period of time and they focus on one specific topic. And that's something that we're, we're beginning to develop what that's going to look like in a couple of years down the road. Um, but it's something that we want, we want to intentionally, not only, it's a, it's a leadership network, it's not just where you're receiving information, but we want to connect leaders together because we believe that leaders learn best whenever they learn together alongside other leaders who are in a similar kind of a place. So um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what that's going to, how that's going to bear fruit in some folks' lives. Travis has already had a, a group that's done a cohort that's not a part of, of the CLN program, but I, I think you can probably say some things about that kind of learning and those guys and what that has meant for them. Yeah, we've been doing, uh, for the past uh, almost a year now, we've been doing a, a coaching group uh, over revitalization. 
and uh, pastors who are interested in what that looks like within their church. And so we, uh, each month we get together, uh, we actually get together um, coming up this week, and we'll get together and talk about uh, some kind of topic like this this week. We're talking about perseverance, how to persevere in ministry because uh, we know it's tough. And so uh, we get together. There's a curriculum that goes along with that. Uh, there's seven or eight pastors that are part of that. Uh, we'll also we'll start, be starting a new group for anyone who may be interested uh, please reach out to me. We'll probably start a new group uh, right around summit time, so probably July, August, that you can be a part of that. And something else that we've been working on, and we hope to have a lot of it ready by the summit, is uh, resources around calling to ministry. And so we're talking about our, what does it look like for uh, to help a pastor coach someone, uh, mentor someone in their church who has that uh, who's accepted that invitation or is or is thinking about that and what that may look like. So we're putting that together. We're putting together resources around what it looks like to uh, have a Sunday morning service that is dedicated to the idea of maybe some of you are being called to ministry. And so we're putting together tools for that as well. And uh, just trying to think about uh, how we can best resource our pastors and churches to deal with this issue that we see that's such a major, having a major impact within America. So that's two practical next steps. Another next step is a concept called internships. And maybe you're a young leader and maybe you don't see like a clear opportunity. Well, an internship might be that clear opportunity, that best next yes. And we have those that are available in several of our national missions affiliated churches. And we also have global internships. And so Vince, Mark, y'all have very clear ways to be able to help onboard people, to be exposed to people, to very low commitment, low key yeses that can help show them what ministry looks like. And so can y'all just briefly talk a little bit about what a national or a global internship looks yeah, like? I think an internship on the national side, we have currently, I believe, four churches that are working through internships that I'm aware of, maybe five. Uh, but um, those churches are looking for people, young leaders that are kind of seeking, like you said, they're not maybe quite sure, or they are sure. They feel like God's called them, but they need that exposure and that equipping. And so most of those will run about a nine-month window, possibly a year, I would say nine months to a year, and you're going to get exposed to things like team building, goal setting, what vision and values, how important those are, why it's critical to have a biblical foundation, and those type of topics that will be poured into you as you are functioning in a team situation or even possibly leading a team once you get into the internship a little bit down the road. Um, we're seeing a lot of churches also starting to have conversations about residencies. So it may even be a second step beyond uh, internship. And several of those have some college accreditation or college credit option that are attached with them. And that's all information they can find out by reaching out to the headquarters here or checking with us online, just reaching out uh, to Vince.Daniel at generalbaptist.com. Internationally, we have had interns that, of course, serve at Faith Home in Honduras. Uh, we've had interns that have served with the Saipan Community School in Saipan, uh, General Baptist Bible College in the Philippines. We've had interns go to India. And depending on the particular uh, context of, of that internship, you know, you could be involved in everything from a, uh, a, a, a child care center, a, child's, a children's home in Honduras, to a to a, uh, a school ministry all the way through college in the Philippines, or you could be involved in evangelism and outreach in, in India. So there are a variety of ways that we can uh, engage interns and uh, and find a place where they might 
feel like God might be leading them and put them in a cross-cultural context to not only uh, further explore that that what, what they believe might be a calling on their life, but also to experience that cross-culturally. And, uh, and we're glad to work with uh, uh, young adults and uh, you know late high school, college-age young people to, uh, to make that happen. I have a dear friend, uh, the good doctor, Matt Murphy, who's been an <laughs> international missionary, and it started with a college internship. Yeah. And so you never know like what, what simply saying yes and going look like, but maybe it's not going. And something that Travis and myself do both at the local church level and that we could help you do at your church level is a concept called a leadership pipeline. How do you go from leading yourself to leading others, to leading leaders, to leading organizations? And if that's a system that you're interested in more information, uh, just reach out to us, Travis, and I'll be more than happy to help. And another big practical next step is simply attend the summit. You never know like what might happen when you get in the right environment, what inspiration will happen, what network will happen, uh, what next best yes is right in front of you. But to hear more about that, you need to tune back in on the Doing Together podcast next week because that is all the conversation is going to be about all things uh, Mission and Ministry Summit. But today, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Doing Together podcast. I'd like to thank uh, like to thank Danny and Vince, Mark and Travis for joining us as well. This conversation is vital to the future of God's universal church and one that will not end here. For the health of our churches and leaders, this conversation will be ongoing as we at General Baptist Ministries continue to encourage, inspire, and equip the local church. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content today, and please leave us a review. This helps our content be discovered by others and keeps you informed of the newest information that we're developing for you. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you on the next episode of the Doing Together podcast.